Fourth and final hour, Darren, Donnick, and Chase here on this Monday afternoon. Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside. We'll check in with Willie D out in Vegas, baby. Viva Las Vegas. Tomorrow night, Predators and Golden Knights. Nine o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you at eight. And everything heard right here on 1025 The Game. Game two of the three-game road trip. They'll close things out in Glendale, Arizona on Thursday night against those crazy coyotes. Let's say hello to Joe Rex Road, who is with the Athletic, still a little bit weird to say, columnist for the Athletic. Joe, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Just back from a really fun trip to Denver. How are you guys? Mm, we are jealous. Hashtag I love Denver. Jealous. <laughs> I do too. I love I do love Denver. The wife and I went out there and spent 5 days this summer, a little anniversary trip, and it's it's a fun city. It really is. I I enjoy Denver. I don't know what there was to enjoy about yesterday's game, but the city's nice. No, Denver's great. The airport is awful. It's like two hours airport. out, two hours out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's not but really no, two it's hours. A great city, and, and it's a great stadium. By the way, that's the first time I'd ever been there to whatever it's called. Blah 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 at Mile High. Um, <laughs> blah blah blah. But, uh, <laughs> Great place, and uh, man, I, I mean that, that has to be one of the worst football games played in the city limits, I would think. So yeah, I'm so sorry, Joe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> are you 95 percent sure that Mariota will start on Sunday versus the Chargers? <laughs> oh, you're gonna put the 95 number on there? No, no. I I'm thought we'd have a little fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> I am not on the 95 train there. I but. It, you know, if I think about a percentage, I think I will go, how about 55? How about 55-45 Mariota? Hmm. Okay, why Why over 50% chance that he starts instead of Tannehill, in your opinion? Well, because, first of all, look, I know that there are coaching decisions that are about know helping the team win and we got these guys in the locker room and we're gonna pick the best ones and put the guys in position and all that stuff but this is not just that this is this is an organization statement too and look Mike Brable there are conversations that are gonna be happening between Mike Brable and John Robinson and I'm sure you know I think they happen every day anyway but if you start Tannehill then you are saying you know we're done with Mariota are you are you prepared to do that are you sure you're ready I'm sure that it's close right now, but that I, I, I just I have a feeling that Mariota gets another chance. You can say he's earned it or not. It's really not about that to me. Tannehill was better yesterday, and it was the right move. Absolutely, I say Mariota was so bad. And if Mariota played like that all the time, this would have been done long ago. You know, but I, I think that there's so much respect for him. And I also think that seeing these guys every day in practice, I mean, anybody who was out there at camp, I mean, look, they're very close in skill set and ability and, and in career production. I mean, it's not it's not like an obvious upgrade or else this would have happened earlier. So I, I think it, all of it together tells me Mariota starts and the hook comes. Maybe, you know, the, the hook now, that door has been open, and I can definitely see that happening before we even get to halftime if it's really bad. But – it's just my guess. Joe, we've taken a lot of calls, as you can imagine, today, talking about just the reaction, everything there is to react to yesterday. And one of the callers said, look, you guys 
report on the team. You guys are there. You're around them. You know, and we kind of defer to Tehran. You're out there just like Tehran more than us. They're usually practicing during our show, so we're not around them on a daily basis. But he said, hey, man, tell us what what's going on in the room right now. He just he was kind of hinting like I, I just don't get good vibes that, uh, you know, that everybody is singing Kumbaya, you know, to paraphrase basically what he was getting mm-hmm. at. And I admitted that I, I think they're dangerously close. Well, I have no proof of it other than just kind of listening to some of their words that this thing could be close to, you know, the offense fracturing the room. Because even if the defense is saying all the right things, you know privately they're going, geez, what do we have to do? I mean, when, when are they going to score points and help us out? Uh, oh, yeah. Do you, do you, and I think there's frustration, obviously, with Delaney. And others, I'm sure Delaney's going, man, what in the world do I have to do to get a ball even close to my hand? So where are you at on that? Like I said, you're you're around them more than us. What do you think of that notion? Yeah, no, listen, yeah, privately and probably sitting there on the sideline like WTF all day long watching the offense out there, right? I mean, of course. And, of course, they're frustrated. And, look, they they have a good locker room. They have a lot of, I think, solid guys. They have a lot of leaders. You know, those defensive guys, guys like Kevin Byard and Logan Ryan, I mean, if there's if there's a group of defensive players who are going to be able to handle this and, you know, stay above the fray and, and not let it get ugly in there, you know, the Titans have those guys. But still, of course, if this keeps going on like this, you know, I mean, it's just it's, – it won't just be the defense either. Because like you said, you mentioned Delaney Walker. I mean, there's other guys who are frustrated on the offensive side of the ball. And when it comes down to it, I think Mike Vrabel has done a lot in terms of earning the respect of this, of the locker room, of the players. You know, he is a, you know, he is a player coach, sometimes to his detriment. But listen, if, if your coaches are out there and what you're doing is not working and they are getting out-coached and out-schemed and they don't have answers, eventually you lose respect for them, too. And, I mean, it's like you look at – I don't know if you guys saw the thing with uh, um, Dallas's coach whose name now escapes me, which is just – Jason Garrett. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. thank you. You see him you know, with the hands out, and the guys literally all just blew and him No, No back. one. Yeah, they just blew right yeah. by him. Nobody touched him. It was amazing. Now, is that because he's a jerk or because guys are just like, he's just not good enough? He's not a very <laughs> good coach. You know, so I, I, I think – and that's the thing here, too. I mean, guys here like Arthur Smith, first-time OC, super impressive guy on the practice field, respected guy, has been through through multiple. And there's a lot of things about him that you're like, man, that guy's impressive. But, boy, I tell you what, your offense looks like that. Pretty soon guys are like, what's going on? Why'd you hire this guy? And so, yeah, lose enough, and it's all going to go yeah, downhill. Yeah, true. Uh, and I think they've been very predictable on offense the last couple of games. Uh, what did you make of Mike Vrabel's – comments when asked who are your leaders in the offensive room and his list was Ben Jones, Deion Lewis and Delaney Walker. I mean, I think we all can say, okay, Delaney Walker, get it, but you don't mention the most expensive left tackle in the game, your quarterback, uh, Corey Davis, uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, there's others, but Delaney, yes, but that's, that's the guys that he mentioned and maybe he meant to say more, but those are the three names that he said. Well, yeah, the, the one that surprises me there is Deion Lewis. I mean, I, I, I would never – I mean, he wouldn't – just guessing, I wouldn't put him in the top, like, 15 or 12, you know. Like, I mean, maybe it's – I guess maybe that's 
partially, you know, Deion Lewis obviously has a reduced role, and maybe he's handled it well, and he's being a pro, and that's fine. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's bizarre. You know, Lawan is Lawan is. You know, obviously Mike Malarkey took took the C off his chest, you know, a few years ago, and I think he is. He's sort of a team spokesman, and I think you know he's an energy guy and probably the most talented player on the roster. But also, I think his personality isn't for everyone. So, you know, I guess I can see that. But I'm surprised he didn't say Mariota because even though that's not Mariota's personality, I still think when you, when you talk about all the professionalism and work and, and all the things that people respect, I, I think Mariota is at the top of the list. So, yeah, that is a, that's, that's one of a few interesting things Vrabel has said the last few weeks. Joe Rexford from The Athletic here with us on Darren Donick and Chase. Seven sacks given up yesterday by the Tennessee Titans, uh, Mariota, Tannehill, it didn't matter who was in. They were getting hit. The offensive line has had to answer a ton of questions over the past few weeks. Where do you stand on Keith Carter right now as the offensive line coach? Well, he's an obvious target, and I think it's fair that he would be targeted here. I, you know, I, I have had this argument with people, though. I am less of a – like, if you see a guy like Roger Sample just get torched by the – you know, defensive lineman, or you see, I mean, Nate Davis yesterday was just, boy, I mean, he's, he was just overwhelmed by Wolf, like play after play after play. You know, when you see stuff like that, I say, okay, so the offensive line coach can do what there? You know, Vrabel was very forceful in defending Carter a week ago with his point being, if, if people don't know their assignments, if the collective, you know, plan and the execution of what we're trying to do is messed up, then, I'm looking at him. If individuals are getting their butts beat out there, you know what? I mean, look, you're still working with guys, and you're, you know, you're trying to work on technique and all that stuff. But this is the pros, and so then it's like, okay, then why do you pay assistant coaches? And I get that. I mean, I, I do think sometimes their they, their their importance is overstated. But still, if you're this bad, if you're looking at like being on pace to set the NFL sacks record allowed then, yeah, how could the offensive line coach not be targeted? And especially when you think back to three years ago, some of these same guys, Russ Grimm, and they had one of the top probably three or four offensive lines in the NFL. So when you put all this together that we've been talking about, whether it's making a change at quarterback, the offensive line, if you got to change an assistant, what is your overall evaluation of Mike Vrabel and how he has handled especially the last two to three weeks? Well, it's a massive disappointment right now, and I think you know it's year two for Vrabel, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this unfolds. I do think that ultimately, when you talk about blame and consequence on this, this is still a situation where John Robinson, I think, has the trust of Amy Adams Strunk, and Vrabel's his guy, and they did not choose Marcus Mariota. And so I think if you put all that together, I still think this can easily end up with, you know, Mariota's elsewhere and these guys get a chance with their own quarterback. But Mike Vrabel, look, I was very impressed with him last year. I was impressed with him in the offseason. I think he does a lot of good things. It's just like with any coach in the college or pro level, what's happening on game day. And if it's this bad, then you have to look at that guy and say, what the heck are you doing? Yeah, I agree with that because right now – Joe, I mean, we've been spending all day talking about, you know, Marcus, and, and, but I think Vrabel has to share a lot of this. And, you know, I, I thought he, he answered some tough questions in his press conference today, but I also don't like him joking 
saying, well, I guess I'm not a very good coach. When, when Jared asked the question about Mariota and why he's regressed, I think there were problems with Mariota to, to begin with, but we can all agree that it's gotten worse over the last couple of years, and I, I just I didn't like how Vrabel handled that. No, I agree. I mean, look, Vrabel, anybody who watched Vrabel as a player, I mean, he is a fiery, intense, competitive, and he could be a nasty dude as a player. And if this goes bad, you know, there's probably going to be a lot more answers like that from him, I would imagine. You know, I, uh, and he's, you know, he believes, I think, in himself a lot. He has a lot of confidence. I think he also gets what this league's about. But, you know, those press conferences – are going to get more and more like that if this team doesn't start playing better. Last thing real quick, Joe, what did you make of Vanderbilt's loss to a bad UNLV uh, UNLV team on Saturday? Oh, hey, at least they had the Titans to like make, you know, make make people forget about it the next day. Uh, I was awful. I watched most of that game from Denver Saturday and uh, I just couldn't believe how they were dominated. And you know the thing is, I mean, defensively, we know this is a terrible team that any any college football team can just score on and move the ball on. Okay, we know that, and I I can't say that's shocking. What's shocking to me is that Vanderbilt's offense scores ten points against UNLV and that it has struggled to this extent. I mean, look, think about even the LSU game. You know, I was like, okay, this team's going to get in a lot of shootouts, and at least it'll be fun to watch. And now it's like all of that has gone away. It's just a disaster. I mean, you got three guys who are going to be playing on Sundays on your offense, and this is how bad things are. And certainly, the quarterback situation is a is a big problem, but it's deeper than that. And uh, yeah, I just I just hard to find much hope for this team right now. Yeah, not good. Uh, Joe, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Joe, Joe. Rexrode, he's the columnist for the Athletic. That's where you can find his work. We'll get a full breakdown of every player and every play of UNLV since Willie's out there. So he'll tell us all about the running Rebels <laughs> at 11 or 130. That's, that's a lie. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just a lie. We yeah. haven't gotten into that today, but I, I'm – I, I mean, it's, it's just mm, – not good. It's not good. It's not good. All right, we'll come back. More of Darren, Donick, and Chase on the other side, ESPN 102.5, the game. It starts with me. I got to do a better job. And, um, you know, it's – being able to convert third downs, um, you know, complete passes, getting the rhythm, um, you know, that's solely on me. I don't feel great. Um, and, you know, coach made a decision, and, you know, he got to be um, – he's going to make a decision that's best for the team. So, um, you know, I respect it, and, um, you know, I just try to be there for Ryan. Marcus Mariota, after the 16 nothing loss and benching in Denver. Seven of eighteen, sixty-three yards, two interceptions, and a nine-point-five quarterback rating. Mm. Question is now: What's next? Mike Vrabel saying today at his press conference that a quarterback decision will be made tonight, and the team will be told tomorrow. I, I think that you know I listened to that, and he says I don't feel great. I, I mean, I can never tell what he's feeling because he doesn't show any emotion. And I think in this situation, I mean, I, I want to see a ticked-off quarterback. I want to see somebody that is upset that they got pulled. And, you know, to Teron's point earlier, I think that's why he was saying that he wants to see him play a quarter. He wants to see how he responds. I Marcus Mariota has not shown us any emotion hardly ever during his career. So I just don't see how you're going to see a big response out of him. But listening to that, like he should be. He should be upset. Yeah, you haven't done your job. You haven't done good enough, and and it stinks because we all pulled for him. But 
I think at this point, people just need to to kind of accept that this isn't going to work out. He's not going to be the guy here. I mean, who knows elsewhere? I don't really care about that. And do I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be the long-term solution? Do I think Ryan Tannehill is going to come in and fix this season and all of a sudden they're going to go on a on a huge win streak and make the playoffs? No, I don't think that. But I do believe that you have to try and salvage any little thing that you can and sometimes making a change, a difficult one at that, can get your team motivated to, you know, and they're not right now. It, it can spark something. And so I, I know Mike Vrabel said, I think he said later on in his press conference that it, he was halfway joking that he was going to tell the media, okay, whatever, it'll get out. Make your decision and then see what happens. With all that said, I would not be surprised at all if both quarterbacks are starting games for the rest of the year. That wouldn't shock me if they go to Tannehill and then all of a sudden they're going back to Mariota at some point. That's just how I feel like this season is going. Well, how could you have feel any differently? Yeah, I mean, I mean you can't. I mean, that, you can't that, because like a big stretch. I mean, no, and I'm not saying it's a stretch. I I, I think that they don't have a good pulse on this team right now. I, I think it's we use the we use the phrase dumpster fire. It's getting to that point. It's not quite there, but it's getting there. Yeah, it's not a dumpster fire yet, but yet I mean, yesterday was hopefully for their sake the worst game of the year. Just like yeah, this very time last year. I mean, this exact week, week six, a day off, a year and a day off was the Ravens game here, mm-hmm. and we all remember that week what that was like, and that Monday following that game of holy crap, what was that? They would have need nine quarters to score a point and then and they would have had ravens would have had 40 sacks in the game joe flacco was the opposing quarterback in that game too he was <laughs> it's a good point yes he was sure was uh, it's just it's mind-boggling that as bad as this denver team has been that the titans couldn't score one point on them one point or a, a field goal something couldn't get anything just unbelievable that they couldn't do that, and here we here we sit on a Monday talking about a 16-0 shutout win by the Denver Broncos. Ironically, after that Ravens game, which was the exact same time as last year, what was their next game? In London against the Chargers. Chargers. Well, they're not going to London. They're staying home, but it'll be the Chargers. That's what's next up. And not to be Debbie Downer, but if you look at their record against Phil Rivers and the Chargers over the years, not the, good. the schedule doesn't get any easier. I mean, they've had some of their easier games already on the schedule. Atlanta, Denver. I mean, after the Chargers, Tampa Bay can score points. Carolina's playing pretty well. Kansas City is Kansas City. New Orleans. You still have a game with Indy, two with Houston, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Starting, I, I said earlier, I mean, it, it just looks and feels, and I hope I'm wrong, but it looks and feels like a 6-10 and 10 season. Starting yesterday with that game, the, the three games that were in this stretch, they had a golden opportunity, and they still do. I mean, they still got two left, but a golden opportunity to turn some things around, and so far, not off to a great start. Have you seen the line? The line is out. For the game against the Chargers? Yep. I'm going to say I have not seen it. Okay. I'm going to say they are an underdog. Titans are an underdog? Yeah. Ryan? 
I'm going to say it's a pick em. I'm going to say um, Chargers by one and a half. It's low. You're right, it is low, but the Titans are a one-point favorite. Wow, okay. One-point favorite to open. The uh, over-under, 38. <laughs> that's the over-under. I would take the over. I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but another thing that we haven't seen over the years in Chargers games, low scoring. Yep. They tend to be, uh, although last year was 39, but I can go if you want me to go through and we don't have time, go through and list you some of the Chargers games over the years. It's not been low scoring. I would ta- I would actually take the over on that. And both teams are going to be desperate. So, And 2016 out in San Diego, 43-35 was the final. By the way, Mike Vrabel called the Chargers San Diego today in the press yeah, conference. Did. Anybody the, catch that? Yeah, I did. A lot of people still do that. Really? I, I've well, heard this it. is year two. I know. I've heard it. Though. I'll still call him San Diego every once in a while. Really? Yeah, I, I've I've heard it. So I think you should put a dollar in the bucket. <laughs> AG, AG, what's up? Yo, I'm just thinking about the Selfless situation, and uh, it kind of reminds me of Albert Hainsworth a little bit. Who could have predicted that Albert Hainsworth was just going to give up like that? I mean, you see a good player, and you pay him, and you, you hope he's going to do a good job. And uh, <clears throat> also, I wanted to comment on the offense last night. Wait a I minute. Mean, hold on. Know. Hold on, A.G. Are you saying they're, they've given up? Is that what you're – you're, you're referencing? And I'm saying, how can John Robinson predict that Robert Savage is going to come in here and lay an egg like that? Oh, okay. And uh, and also, when Tunnehill came in last night, I'm not saying he's better than Mario. I'm not saying that he's going to be a, a Hall of Famer. But the offense kind of had a little – it was a little bit more fluid last night. So, I'm still being optimistic on, you know, the Titans. I'm not saying that they're going to the playoffs or anything this year. But, I mean, they could still write the ship. Okay. All right, thanks for the phone call. Look, I, I, it would be virtually impossible and kind of silly to make some profound case for Ryan Tannehill and his play yesterday. I just have simply said for the last three and a half hours, he just looked like he had a plan. He just yeah. looked more decisive. He just looked like when the ball was snapped, he knew what he was going to do with it, and he was going through progressions and reads and just looked like he had a better feel. Did they score points? Nope. Did he get sacked four times? Yep. Uh, it just it just looked different, and it didn't result in anything other than that's just through my eyes. It just looked like he had a plan. He was a little bit more decisive. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I'll say this, too, to some Titans fans that we've talked to today that we've taken calls. I feel like some of y'all are like I was last Wednesday where you kind of you know it's pretty much done at this point, but you're sticking with your team. So Well, I'm glad because the I'll worst thing ever is apathy. And if we yeah. if we had taken no calls today, I mean yeah. we've taken calls all day long on the show, if we weren't getting any response, that's when if you're a if you're are the Titans, you should be scared <laughs> to death because you still have tickets and you're still trying to you got a lot of home games to go. Yeah. And if nobody cares and we're still in October, then you've got huge problems. Now that that could change and I don't know what it's going to look like on Sunday, but I still feel like they're people are still look. If you still want to talk about them, you still care, right? The, wor- th- the worst thing is when people don't want to talk about it. Anymore. I think we're going to see a whole lot of apathy on Sunday. Uh, you might a whole lot of it. Greg Anderson on Twitter just tweeted at us a picture of Mariota, and he says, "I fixed the good to great slogan for the Titans marketing department, and it says from good to great sl- uh, draft selection number." Yeah. 
Certainly looks <laughs> like that's what they're on pace for. I want to talk to all the men out there. I've been telling you for years about my friends over at Cool Springs MD. And they have uh, they know a lot of you have started to seek help in this area for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. And Dr. Jeffrey Lodge is the board-certified physician over there, front and center on that quest to helping you out. His wife, Daphne Lodge, the registered nurse and their experienced staff, they want to give you men the treatments that are required to improve your quality of life. And as we all get older, I hope you want that like I do. And their services have already done that with a lot of you here in the Middle Tennessee area and surrounding areas with improving your immune systems, your energy levels, your cognitive function, and so much more. They're there to connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. There's no better time to achieve that healthy lifestyle than right now. What are you waiting for? Make that appointment. Dial the number 615-660-6900. At 660-6900, or you can always visit their website, coolspringsmd.com. Predators out in the desert. Take on Vegas tomorrow night, 9 o'clock. Puck drop, pregame at 8 o'clock. Everything heard right here on 102.5 The Game. Darren McFarlane, Chase McCabe here uh, in our wholesale link studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. Willie Donick, Ryan Porth behind the glass. Willie Donick out there, and we... Uh, it's a pretty nasty rumor going around that uh, actually him and Pete Weber and others were watching games from the sports books, which is just shocking. I'm, shocking I'm and, jealous. and developing news here on the program. Is this true? It is true, uh, at least for part of games. I got to tell you, though, I, I, I was not impressed with the layout there. It's not a, it's not a fun vibe. I mean, you have all the stuff. It's pretty fascinating. You see the huge board behind you with all the things that you can gamble on, all the windows you can walk up. You can actually, you could obviously put it on your phone now. But uh, it wasn't, at least at the place we were at, there wasn't a lot of, you know, couldn't eat and drink very easily. There were a lot of reserve tables where nobody was sitting at. So it was, uh, it was not what I thought it might be or hoped it would be. I think a good sports bar atmosphere beats it. All right, Willie. Well, it's good to talk to you. We'll we'll uh, we'll see you when you get back. I think Aaron said it best. You are a press pot. You really are. You're a press pot. Well, nobody was having any fun at, at this place. It just was. It was a lot of. There was nobody moving around. There was nobody asking, "Hey, what can I get you?" or or anything. It just. It wasn't. It wasn't well, what I hoped it would be. Willie, you know there are other sports books you can go to. If you don't like that one, there there are different ones that may have a better atmosphere. Well, I'm definitely going to have to try a different one next time. Well, clearly sure. you left Hal Gill and Chris Mason by the wayside because they are the life having, of the party. They're having a good time. I've been seen on Instagram. Yeah. Clearly oh, they yeah. weren't with you guys. No, they're not into watching you know, a doubleheader of football, which is what <laughs> Pete and I essentially did. I mean, we, we watched a, a lot of the games. In the various places in there, uh, and unfortunately, it wasn't wasn't good football in particular uh, with the, the two tone blue. Yes, and so you haven't had a chance to weigh in. We've we're three and a half hours in, and obviously, we have gone heavy, heavy, heavy on the game yesterday. So let's let you weigh in on your thoughts. What did you see from out in the desert? I don't think my take will be any different than than what uh, you guys have have I'm sure gone through the ringer about it. it just was extremely disappointing to not 
be able to get anything going. They're, even even two and a half quarters, three quarters into the game, you feel like if they can just catch fire, you could still win the game. But to go through an entire game where you only threaten to score, you know, after you're down by, you know, 13 points, and still not be able to, you know, punch it in or get really anything going. Every time you take two steps forward, you take three steps back. Just a, just, a, just baffling how that could happen at this stage of the season. So, you know, where do they go from here is the question. And, and I, I guess you guys have ticked around the quarterback situation. I would say that Ryan Tannehill did reasonably better, although I would put it in context. He did it when they were, you know, largely, you know, playing catch-up. Denver maybe was changing their defense a little bit, but I, I don't know what you have to lose right, right now. I also watched a lot of the Chargers game. Last night, they got their own problems. And I noticed uh, the line so far, it's pretty much a pick game coming back uh, to Nashville next week. Mike Vrabel said they will make a decision tonight and tell the team tomorrow. Both of us feel like it's going to get turned over to Tannehill, at least for the time being, just to see what they have. Joe Rexroad leans slightly toward Mariota. Teron leans toward Mariota. Where do you stand? Well, I... You know, the question would be, am I trying to read Mike Vrabel's mind or am I giving my thought of, of what I would try? Uh, to me, this team, you, you need a spark. I mean, Joe Rex wrote, I saw his article in The Athletic, what, 55 points in, the, in six games? Is that, is that somewhere in the, in the ballpark? The bottom line is they're, they're just not scoring any points. And so you need a spark. Maybe Tannehill can provide the spark. Maybe he doesn't. But I know the whole, hey, if you got two quarterbacks, you got none. But to me, I'm throwing the job open. I might give Tannehill a shot, and if he's not doing anything, I go back to Mariota. I mean, try, try it for a week. You've got to find something before it's too late. If you go 2-6, and 2-7, and seven, you know, it doesn't matter who's going to be in there. You're, you're looking towards next year. So if you're trying to salvage this year, I, I think I would throw it open for a competition and see if somebody rises to the occasion. The defense has been there. Special teams, for the most part, are areas that have been weak. But overall, everything's been there. The offense has been obviously the glaring, glaring weakness and the problem. So how do you how do you fix that going into Week Seven? It starts with protecting the quarterback, as as we thought. I I, I didn't realize how anemic uh, Denver's defense had been. They had not been sacking the quarterback much. They had some injuries in the secondary, which made it more perplexing that they got nothing done at all. But I, I just I don't understand why they're not protecting the quarterback better. Tannehill was, uh, did get sacked uh, a lot more, but I, uh, I think it all starts there, right? I mean, it's, it's, regardless of who's been in there, they have not protected very well. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And what I was gonna, where I was going to take it was with the offensive line. And, you know, I, I've used the phrase – did you really get it wrong five times, or is it coaching? Is it Keith Carter? Do they need to make a change there? What do you think sparks that unit more, changing the quarterback who you're paid to protect or changing the voice in the room by, by making a coaching change? Uh, you know, I, I'm not I, – I have not been in a room where I, I've had to make that kind of decision. I, I do think all of it is on the table. At this point, when you've had no results, uh, I don't know much about what Mike Vrabel sees in in his offensive line coach. If he thinks that getting the message, what would the alternative be? If you were going to make a change, is there another guy on the staff that you 
can slide in there that knows the personnel. I don't think it's realistic to bring somebody from the outside to come in completely fresh and blind and not knowing what they're trying to do. It would probably be uh, Mike so Sullivan, I, who's the assistant, if they if they I, elevate I guess, it from I within. Guess you would consider it. I I, uh, I don't, but I I'm not astute enough to really know, you know, what would go into that decision. I, but I would have to say that everything has to be on the table. Darren, what do you think? What what sparks the offensive? If if we're just focused on the offensive line, what gets their attention more? You fire their coach, or you or bench the quarterback. Well. I don't know because there's so much blame to be tossed around. I mean, I don't know who shoulders the most. I mean, is it the players? Uh, especially, by the way, that offensive line gets paid quite well. Yeah. Okay, they get paid a lot of money. You've got a, a, a offensive line coach that, let's be honest, in a year and a half, the offensive line hasn't been good. Nope. So nothing's changed. Nothing has been good when it comes to that position. you got a head coach. He has to shoulder blame, uh, period. Bottom line, you got to – Brand new offensive coordinator, never done it before. So I mean, I don't know who's. If you break that pie up, I don't know who has the majority of the blame. What that, what those numbers look like, but I, I don't even know if it can be fixed. Yeah, I, that you, you guys know that I am not. I, I am usually not a fire the coach kind of guy. Right. I, I like when when you you ride it out, you stick with your guy, unless you just feel like. Uh, you've reached the end, that you're convinced that it's not going to happen. I do remember a couple of years ago, Mike Malarkey made a change as the special teams coach, and it did seem to produce better results. But this is a different staff. These are different people involved. So, uh, you know, we've, we've all been doing this long enough to see where we can find examples of making a big switch like that midstream has worked, and we've seen plenty of times where it doesn't work. All right, we'll come back. We'll switch gears. We'll talk about what you saw in Los Angeles, uh, what's next, and get in a little hockey talk as uh, we get ready for tomorrow night's game, game six of the regular season. More coming here, and we're going to wrap up Monday's show next on ESPN 1025 The Game. Willie D, affectionately known as Press Pot, out in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> That'll be a good way for us to wrap up the show. You have a great rest of your day. Good job, Ryan Porth, in your Cincinnati Bearcats hat. Filling in today. Max Herz will be back in the saddle tomorrow. For Chase McCabe, I'm Darren McFarlane. We will talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Stay tuned. Jared and the GM. That's next.